Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. On the Minimalist Moms podcast, I've interviewed guests that discuss pregnancy, baby registry, and birth plans, but I've yet to discuss the postpartum experience. So I was really thrilled to speak to postpartum doula, Gigi Vera Vincent, to help me navigate this area. It's been a couple of years since I've been in my own postpartum experience, so this was a great refresher for me if I were ever to have more children. And also, it was just really helpful for me as I can use these tips to encourage my friends that are about to become moms for the first time, shout out to Coralie, or having their second or third or fourth baby, but didn't maybe have the best postpartum experience in their previous birth. So Gigi is here today to share five ways to simplify as you prepare for your postpartum experience, or again, ways that you can share with friends that will highly benefit them and their baby. This is a bonus episode today, so let's just get right on to it. Gigi, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you so much, Diane. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. I think this is a topic that really needed discussed because I've had people talk about birth plans, pre-pregnancy, uh, and, and postpartum we've never discussed before. So I'm really happy to have you here and just to provide some simple tips and how to simplify this area and just things that have been really beneficial. And so introduce yourself to the listeners and if you consider yourself a minimalist. Yeah. So I'm Gigi. I have three kids, a four-year-old Luca and my twins, Max and Lola are about a year and a half. I am a postpartum doula and a newborn care specialist. So most people, when they think of a doula, they probably think of a birth doula who supports people during labor, but a postpartum doula is, you know, everything after I support parents in the fourth trimester and all those early days with a baby I give all kinds of support like feeding and sleeping. So we work together to create a plan and it helps parents rest and bond with their baby. I'm the founder of A Simple Home. So you can probably guess from the name that I'm a minimalist. I see so many parents who are buying, you know, all the things we get pressure to have the perfect car seat, the perfect crib, everything to make having a baby easier. But I show them that being more intentional, setting up systems has more of an impact. Um, I'm also a big advocate for non-toxic and sustainable living. So I mix up all of those passions to be a a minimalist postpartum doula. And uh, I try to be as much as I can. I'm a minimalist, but I work hard to work with my kids, but they, they fight me sometimes. (laughs) I think that's totally normal. You're not the first person that says that. And it happens to me on the regular too, but (laughs) I am excited. Like I said, to have you here to talk about that postpartum period, because I think that so many of us, especially I was talking to my friend today, she's about to have her first baby. And I'm like, just don't overthink it. I said, it's just you and your baby and adapt to her and be comfortable with just going with your gut and your intuition, but I'm sure that there are some things that we can do to simplify the area that aren't overcomplicating it. So I just wanted to have a dialogue here. You have five recommendations and tips you wanted to share. So why don't you start with the first one and we'll just work our way through just some of the suggestions that you have. Yes. So most of my clients, when we meet, their questions are about cribs and, you know, bottles. And we do go over all of that stuff. But I try to bring up these five topics on top of all of that. 
So the first is immediate postpartum care. You already had an episode about birth plans and in the hospital, and that was so beautifully done. Um, And I come in kind of from the second baby is born. So this plan is so important to help you feel more confident and to advocate for you and your baby. So in a hospital or a birthing center or your home, wherever you're having your baby, you have those first decisions to make. So things like having immediate skin to skin, having um, your cord clamp delayed, then the medicine that they can get like vitamin K, erythromycin. So all of those medical choices, but then discussing before things like who's going to be in the room, who's going to be in the waiting room and COVID might be changing those things, but I always interact with clients who say, you know, my mom wants to be in there or my sister wants to be in there or, you know, somebody wants to be in there, but they're not sure how to tell them. I don't want them in there. Uh, So we talk about how to do all of those things and when people are going to know that you're in labor. So making a plan for those things. And then, like you said with your friend, trusting your instincts for those first few weeks of really resting and healing In the United States, we don't give people much of a chance to do that. We want them kind of bouncing back and getting back to work. But I help make plans for really sitting and resting and healing and bonding with your baby those first few weeks. So making a a plan for that, who's going to come over so you can sleep, where will your baby sleep, and also feeding support for if you're uh, body feeding If you're bottle feeding, getting information for that is so important up front so that you're not up at 2 a.m., you know, Googling how to do all of those things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what I felt like I really needed would have been more of the, okay, now I'm home. And then what do I do? Like, I just didn't really know what to do. And then I, I think that's where it's like, just trust your instinct, just start adapting to life with this little person. She's coming into my life. And so, yeah. That said, you still do have to make some changes. We had a dog. So it's like bringing in our dog into that environment and whatnot. But I like how number two, you talk about yourself and your relationship. So that is something that needs to be discussed too, because it's not just you that's had this new child. Um, typically, typically yeah. um, you have a partner. So what does that look like? It's so important to have that discussion because having a baby changes your life. It changes your identity and it changes if you're in a relationship, it really changes that. So having real discussions about your expectations for yourself and your relationship, um, things to talk about are like your priorities. So some people having a baby, it's going to change their whole life. And that's going to be a little bit more of a focus. So what are they sacrificing? in order to make this their focus. Um, What are your goals for being parents? You know, some people, um, they want to be a parent and they want to be really available for the early years. Some people want to be more available in later years. So making sure that you're on the same page for those things, then how is this going to change your relationship? If I'm a homebody, so it didn't have too much of a change for me, but if you are someone who you and your partner like to go out to dinner, you like to go out with friends a lot, This will have a big impact on your life. So talking about how will that change? How, if it is a priority for you to go and have dinner once a week, how are you going to make that work? And how long will you stop doing that after you have a baby? There's nothing wrong with that. I love just sitting at home 
And so having a baby doesn't bother me in that way. So how long will you both be home? Um, if you want to go on, um, you know, co- to work out, if that's a priority for you, how are you going to do those things? And then just for housekeeping, I guess, is child care division of labor. So who's going to do night feedings? Who's going to wash all of the millions of bottles that accumulate? Who's going to do laundry? All of that. And then money. So those are things that we shouldn't be waiting until we're home to have those discussions because it usually will turn into a fight. So having it up, nice, calm, collected when you still have free. I think it's so important to get on the same page with your partner because you're right. If you're having those conversations where it's a more emotionally heated or like when you're feeling extra hormonal because you just had a baby, I just think that doesn't really set anyone up for success. But I also think it's really important that when you're with someone, we made sure that we gave each other the time to still like have our own separate lives. So just making sure that if it was like once a week or once every couple of weeks, we could get out with our friends to like have that identity still as friend. And I think that's really important too, because I'm not, it's just my opinion, but I'm not Mm -hmm. just a mom. Like, and I don't think Mm -hmm. people just, they're not just moms. And I think that we can feel that way after having a baby because they do somewhat become our whole world. But also I am a wife. I am a friend. I am a daughter. So I think really maintaining those identities and not just, I felt like the moments when I've just been a mom, it's not good for anyone. It's not good for my mindset. It's not good for my kids. Cause usually I'm like taking out my frustrations on them when really I'm frustrated with this other part of my identity. It's not being the needs aren't being met. And I think that's not selfish, actually. I think that's beneficial to all involved. Yeah. And I love how you said like your needs weren't being met. And that's why you have to have those discussions and why you have to check in to say, you know, I try to do it with my husband like once a day at the end of the day and be like, okay, what are you needing? What are you not getting? Because you do need that time. And in the early days, it's not like you're going to have a baby and bounce back and go to breakfast the next day. Maybe not most people, but it is something that falls on like a birth parent, um, a mom to almost martyr themselves to say, you know, like you said, I'm going to do the the night feedings. Mm-hmm. And if you're nursing, that totally makes sense. But I help couples find ways to say, okay, can one parent pump? Mm-hmm. So then they can immediately go back to sleep and the other partner can feed the baby. So everybody gets a little bit of rest, but I don't know why that is that, you know, birth parents, moms, we say like, Oh, well, I have to do this. We take on so much. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we need to hear like, yeah, you do have an identity outside of being a parent. You need to go out to breakfast with your friends or you need to go and have a night. I was with one of my friends last night and we were talking about this. Like, why do we do this? Why do we put this on ourselves? And why do we feel guilty asking for it? So when you have a plan and you can kind of revert back to it to be like, no, remember we said I wasn't going to do this. Then it's almost like uh, it's protecting you a little bit. So you can fall back on that instead of turning into a little bit of a murder, which we all seem to do for some reason. In 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. 2020 was interesting, so let's just do a mental health check-in. How are you really, and what do you need right now? Humans are not meant to keep everything inside. It makes us sick, and therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. 
Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress, whatever it is that you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you, because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Minimalist Mom listeners get 10% off the first month at BetterHelp.com slash Minimalist. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Minimalist. This, not movement, but there's this whole idea of whether it's self-care or my needs aren't being met. And I'm actually not on board with that movement. Like, I think it can be really self-centered and selfish. And what I'm talking about is no, knowing that in certain ways you're, you're automatically going to be dying to yourself because you have this new person that you're protecting and taking care of day in and day out. So it's those other elements that can lift that experience to be the best that it can be. And so maybe, maybe what I am saying is the self-care and my needs are being met, but like, I guess I should also say that I do think there is a part of sacrifice. There's sacrifice when you have a kid and, don't be frustrated by that or don't like dwell in that or feel overwhelmed or feel guilty. Just make sure there's a balance in all areas. And it, it seems hard. And again, I don't know everyone's life experience. Like I, my cousin's a single mom. And so like, she has to find someone outside of a partner to do things and help her. And some moms don't have a huge support system, but I'm saying, I guess as a, a generalization, I think there's a dying to yourself, but also we need to prioritize ourselves. There, there needs to be a balance. So I hope I wasn't redundant with all that. No, that totally makes sense to be a balance of self-care and for moms or parents, those early days, self-care might seem like you showered and you ate hot meals, but we need going into that next point, the support system to help you get those things and maybe mixing in expecting less of ourselves. If you have a newborn and all you did all day was feed your baby, which is a lot of work, you know, keep them clean, keep them close, bond with them and eat and maybe showered. That should be a good day. And that's why we need to set those, uh, those realistic expectations and have people come in to help us to do the rest. If you have a partner or if you, if your partner has to go back to work, or if you don't have a partner getting somebody to come in and I've been at both ends of the spectrum. First, I had comfort. My family was over here every day and it was hard to, it's hard to keep a baby alive and take care of them. And then with my twins, they were born the week of the pandemic. Um, and the uh, hosp- yeah, uh, the hospital, um, I was in the hospital during California's shutdown. And I had two months with my toddler who was home from school and my twins. And nobody could come. I see the difference. I've had the experience with so much support and I've had an experience with no support. 
Mm-hmm. And it, I can tell you, it's rough. I don't know how people do it without support. So if you don't have a partner, if you don't have family, friends, neighbors, then hiring somebody to come in because you can't get by with no support having a baby. You just can't. It's something that you need care, you need food, you need time to yourself. It's impossible to have a baby by yourself. We shouldn't have a baby by ourselves. One of those things that I think we can do to make it easier is with your next point, and that's boundaries. So talk more about boundaries. Boundaries are, I think, such an important thing. Every culture and family has its own rules. So you might love your family coming over. You might love your friends just kind of walking in, but you might also want to have your own set of rules with your family, uh, with your own individual family. You might want to raise your children differently. Um, One example that I have like for me personally is my family does not believe in bedtime, like for kids. They think, oh, it's nine o'clock, you know, let the kids running around, but I have more of a strict bedtime. So that's a boundary that I really work to enforce when my kids are staying with my family or when they're over to say, yes, it's bedtime. And that there's all kinds of things like that, that your family did or your friends do, and you want to do it differently. So talking about when you have people coming over or when you have your children staying with other people, how do you want them to help When do you want them to help? Um, Who do you want involved or not involved? We all have those family members or those friends that we think, I love them, but I don't want them maybe watching my kids for a weekend. So talking with your partner about that early on um, and telling them what is okay for them to do or say, and what don't you want them to say? And those things because it's your parenting style, your beliefs, you think it's obvious. Maybe an example could be giving your children food that you don't want them to have, maybe sugar. So to you, it seems like common sense. I don't feed my child that, so you shouldn't feed my child that. But to them, it's not common sense. It's not something that is obvious. So telling them what's okay. You can't assume that your friends, your family, your neighbors know what's right according to you. So I think it's really important to have those discussions with your partner up front of what's okay and what's not okay and deciding who's going to convey that. Like this morning, I listened to your podcast. You were talking about talking with your in-laws about about your child's birthday. And it's kind of the same thing of, I have my husband talk to his parents on things that we don't like. And I talk to things that we don't like. Some people are very comfortable mixing all of that up, but you have to have those discussions up front. And those are things that can cause problems. If you let them sit and fester, it can cause big blowouts later. So boundaries of everything from being in the hospital to having young children what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and conveying that. Totally makes sense. And I'm really big on screens, just the movies that my kids or television shows they're allowed to watch. And that's something I'm not uncomfortable being very vocal about that. So I I think there are different topics that are easier. Like you got to tread lightly with some of this stuff. And then other things you feel like more empowered to be confident in saying. I think especially this last year, uh, the last few years, like so many topics can come up that are maybe taboo and you're not sure when it's not your family or it's not your friends, how to navigate that. Like off topic, (laughs) fix it. For sure. 
All right. The last one you have is parenting. So what do you mean by this? So I think parenting starts from day one. I think that it's not just um, about discipline. It's not about, you know, toddlers or kids or hitting, but your parenting philosophy can really shape how you interact with and treat your newborn. So it's important to have that discussion upfront of what is your parenting style going to be and what are your priorities and what are your goals for parenting? I think this is something parents consider like down the line. Oh, we'll talk about that when they're three or four, but it's something that will come up from the early days. So finding the philosophy right now, really popular philosophies are like rye, respectful parenting, positive parenting, attachment parenting. And those things aren't mutually exclusive. You can mix in, you know, Montessori, uh, all of these different types of parenting styles, but talking about how you want to interact with your children from day one is something that can get you on the same page. And you don't have to agree on every single thing if you have a partner, but knowing kind of the root philosophy of your parenting, the root goal can make every interaction a little easier if you know what your end goals are for your children. And another thing that is becoming something we talk about so much more, and I'm so happy about that, but reparenting, which is this philosophy that when you have children, your own childhood traumas, mini traumas, or just things that you didn't like can come up. So delving into that of what was good for you, what was bad for you, and what did you like or dislike that you want to do differently with your own children. And this is a topic I love. I'm not an expert on this by any means, but I love talking about it. And I love talking to my clients about it and giving them resources to find, you know, how to do things differently, which is such a, it's beautiful that we get all of these resources to do that. I think I want to end all of this by saying you're not necessarily going to have all of these conversations before having a baby. You can, you can try and you can talk about a lot of these things and bring them up. But I do think after you bring that new one into the world, there are going to be challenges and there are going to be arguments and there are going to be fights, but don't allow the fact that that's going to happen to defeat you or to feel like you can't unify with one another. I can't even tell you how many fights my husband and I have gotten into. We're both firstborns. We're both super stubborn and we've had to navigate a lot of being super strong willed and having some knockdown, knockdown drag outs. But I think remembering that you're on the same team and you want what's best for your little one, like you're both wanting only the best for that little one. And so just remembering that and that the person's not against you has been really helpful for me. Yes. I, uh, as a joke, we would always say like, they're the enemy, not us. Yeah. <laughs> like We're not each other's enemy. The babies are the enemy, but it's having the, um, the tools to have those discussions so that if something new comes up, you know how to go about it. It's mm-hmm. not something that is like you've never talked about your childhood with your partner before, yeah. or you've never talked about how to handle discipline. Um, but going, you're just kind of checking in and saying, oh, this is something new that's popped up. How are we going to handle it? Um, and maybe you handle it differently. You know, like you said, you're, you can both be stubborn. How do you 
navigate that. So once you've had those conversations, going back to them feels a little bit more comfortable and it's a little easier. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, where can listeners find more about you and connect with you online? So I am on Instagram at a underscore simple underscore home and website is www.simple.org and on Pinterest and Facebook and all the things. Awesome. Well, this again, it was great information. I have some friends that are like, we can't wait for you to release that episode. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks for being here today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a fan of your podcast and I requested your book from the library. So hopefully I'll be getting it soon. (laughs) What did you think of the episode? Could you relate to some of the things that Gigi and I talked about regarding the postpartum experience? Was it similar to what you experienced or how was it different? I'm really curious to know your thoughts on this episode. I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.